Hi, I'm Pastor Darrell Bailey. Thank you for joining us tonight. We want you to listen to our message. May we bring hope and truth into your lives as we build up the kingdom of God. We want to make a difference with everything that we do through our words to give glory and honor to Jesus Christ. Thank you now for tuning us in tonight. And now, as we get ready to go into the wonderful Word of God. Amen. Thank you for tuning us in tonight. Uh, as we get in our Memorial uh, Day message tonight uh, from the series Never Ending Story. Tonight will be in Hebrews chapter 11. If you would, take your Bibles over to Hebrews chapter 11. It will consist of verses 1 through 40, but we'll highlight Hebrews chapter 11 verse 4, where it talks about, by faith, Abel offered unto God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain, by which he obtained witness that he was righteous, God testifying of his gifts, and by it he being dead yet speaketh. Amen. Let's have us a word of prayer before we get into the heart of the message tonight. Lord, many are weary. Our energy is sagging. Our motivation is lagging. And we need you, Father, to come on and give us the strength and the fresh touch to get back on track again. Lord, your word says the joy of the Lord is our strength, and we know that's true, but we need your joy to replace all of the bone-tired parts of our minds, body, and soul, and the pressures of life that push us into corners and render us helpless to move forward. Of the hundreds of voices that call by name and how we feel paralyzed at times to answer, not knowing where to turn, Lord, help us not to quit, to keep running the race faithfully, to find strength in that safe, secret place of yours under the shadow of the Almighty. We need your strength tonight to say no when we're tempted to surrender to the harmful things, when selfish clings to our clothes and won't let go. We need strength to say yes when cowardice and fear nudge us to deny the convictions uh, of our heart. We need your strength to reach out in love to those who both close to us and are all around us. Lord, we need your strength. And you are our rock that we can run to tonight, believing that you'll lift up our heavy arms. You'll fuel us for the task that we need and that your joy will completely consume the weakness of all of our lives. Make us strong again, Lord, that we can stay grounded and not crippled by the limitations. Lord, as we're tired, feeble efforts of men and women of God, Lord, help us to mount up with wings like eagles and not just fly, but follow to soar. In this, in Jesus' mighty name, amen. Tonight, we want to speak to you on this Memorial Day message, The Graves That Speak. The Graves That Speak. I'm glad as we look tonight and realize that thank God for every soldier that's ever gone off to battle for every man and woman who's ever left their home and families for this great cause, and for every fallen comrade that ever gave his or her life to ensure the freedoms that you and I 
enjoy today across this wonderful country of America. Here, I thank God as we begin to realize that uh, through uh, the word of God, we've heard the voices. There's the voice of the world. It says, save thyself in Luke 23, 39. There's the voice of the self-Christian that says, pity thyself in Matthew chapter 16, verse 22. There's the voice of the Lord, though. Thank God for him that says, deny thyself in Matthew chapter 16, verse 24. You know, as we look at all of the wars of life, uh, from the many battles, uh, probably one of the most gruesome battles of all, where uh, the soldiers that are killed are higher than a thousand, of all the battles and campaigns that have reached the number of deaths in the field. Lord, through the American Civil War, World War I, World War II, Korean War, one campaign after another, the Tet Offensive from Vietnam of January the 30th to September the 23rd, 1968, all of these campaigns that resulted in the most U.S. military deaths out of all was the Battle of Normandy on June the 6th, August the 25th, 1944, in which 29,204 soldiers were killed fighting against Nazi in, in uh, Germany. The bloodiest single day in history of all of the United States uh, battles uh, of military was June the 6th, 1944, when 2,500 soldiers killed during the invasion of Normandy on D-Day. The second highest single day toll was the Battle of Antonin with 2,100 dead, the deadliest single-day battle in America history. If all engaged armies are considered, the, the Battle of, uh, of Antinam, uh, with 5,389 killed, including both United States and Confederate soldiers, a total casualties for both sides was 22,717 dead, wounded, or missing America American and Confederate soldiers of September the 17th, 1862. Man, boy, I tell you, as we honor all of our uh, many veterans of Memorial Day, it's been said that the greatest things of life are accomplished by the smallest but daily defeats of bravery, honor, and commitment that go on day in and day out in our lives. An enemy uh, that I had whose face uh, probably in all of our dreams that we feel like we've went as far as we could go with all of our gear, all of our battle armament. But I thank God that uh, every one of us, when it comes to sacrifice, and there's nothing like all of the battles in America that have sacrifices, and when there's a sacrifice, you begin to uh, hear all the voices from the battlefields. We started out with a sound of gunfire as we came on. And man, I'm going to tell you, I have fired rip, uh, rounds till I smelt like gunpowder and sweat all day firing rounds. And I'm going to tell you, the desire of the smallest details of life, the great events that take care of themselves, because what you did when no one was watching, when no one was around, demanding that you would complete your job, great rewards. We've had soldiers that stuck it out through some of the toughest times of wars that have brought us where we are today. One of my favorite writers of all time and my uh, greatest time of reading during the military days of my life was my author, Louis L'Amour. And he was asked one time about his writing style and he told him that he would start writing no matter what, but the, the water will not flow until the faucet is turned on. 
And with that thought in mind, nearly 230 million of his books are uh, in print worldwide, and every one of his more than 100 books are still in print. It really is a matter of doing the small things in life to help us to master the large things. Have you made a road today? You know, as we look at faith, and as we look at all of the voices, you know, uh, out uh, from our message of the graves that speak, we begin to look at uh, uh, one of the most powerful New Testament chapters, the book of Hebrews. Again, we're reminded of, of the best uh, treatment of about faith when we look at, at faith and this 11th chapter of the book of Hebrews. In Hebrews chapter 8, verse 6, the preacher represents a, a truth. And then he spends the next few chapters elaborating on that truth. The truth is found in Hebrews chapter 10, verses 22, down to verse 25, beginning with the dialect, since we have led us. You see, the preacher identifies three things that we are to do. And since we have been given special riches in Jesus Christ. In verse 22 of Hebrews chapter 10, even though I told you we're in Hebrews chapter 11, looking back right before this in Hebrews uh, uh, chapter 10, that he tells us in verse 22, that he says, let us draw near with a true heart and full assurance of faith. He's talking about faith in the finished work of Christ. He says, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. It betrays Paul using Old Testament types to represent the reality that we now have in Christ. He goes on, he says, he tells us this, he says, let us draw near to God with a sincere heart and full assurance of faith. He goes on in verse 23, let us hold unanswerably to the hope that we profess. He's talking about here faith in Christ and in the cross. And it refers to the fact that everything that the new covenant promises, which is salvation and total victory over all sin, will be realized in totality. And in verse uh, 24 of Hebrews chapter 10, And let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds. In verse 24, he's talking about how that, that which was naturally uh, follows true faith in the cross. Let us, he's saying out of these three verses of Hebrews chapter 10, verse 22, 23, and 24, he's telling us to exercise our faith, to exercise our hope, and to exercise our love. And the truth that he represents then, as he goes on in verse 25, not forsaking the assembly of ourselves together as the manner of some is. In other words, it's important that believers assemble together, however the meeting might be conducted, but exhorting one another, encouraging one another in faith. So much the more as you see the day approaching, especially during these last days that we're in right now. And then he elaborates on faith in here in Hebrews chapter 11 on hope, in Hebrews chapter 12 on love, and Hebrews chapter 13, we begin, we look and we see that he uh, that uh, he's discussing the discussion of faith in one of the most significant chapters of the Bible. We see the description of faith in Hebrews chapter 11. And here the preacher suggests the things about faith in the opening of the chapter 11, that faith gives us assurance. Because he tells us, he says in Hebrews chapter 11, how faith is the dying. He says, now faith is the substance of things hopeful. 
It's the action of faith he's talking about. The evidence of things not seen. Faith is not based upon senses which yield uncertainty, but rather on the word of God. He goes on, he says in verse 2 of Hebrews chapter 11, for by it, he says, by faith as we shall see it, is faith in the cross he's talking about. The elders obtained a good report. Uh, through faith, we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God, so that things which are seen were not made of things which do appear. I'm glad that right before we go into uh, the graves that speak of all the patriarchs, their voices are speaking from the grave this Memorial Day. And I'm glad that faith gives us assurance the preacher affirms that faith gives us that assurance that we live our lives. Faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. The Bible declares that this material world in which we live, which we experience right now, and which we see with our physical eyes, is not all there is to life. There's another realm. There's another dimension. The voices that speak to us, the graves that speak on this Memorial Day, the patriarchs, hallelujah, which we experience right now, which we see, I thank God is not all there is to life. There's another realm, another dimension. The Bible refers to it as the spiritual dimension. Faith is what gives us the assurance that this spiritual dimension is real, even though that we cannot see it with our physical eyes. And so each and every one of us, we look and realize that faith gives us an understanding as well. Faith not only gives us the assurance that the spiritual world is the real world, but it helps us to understand this spiritual world. Because I thank God, by faith, we understand that the universe was formed at God's command so that what is seen was not made out of what was visible. Faith gives us the commendation, amen. Between these two descriptions of faith, there's a third idea. Because in verse 2, the preacher added, this is what the ancients were commended for. The sense of the verse is, is this. By faith, the ancient believers received divine approval. And so here, what the preacher says in the opening verses of this great chapter on faith, faith gives us assurance. Faith gives us understanding. And faith brings God's approval. But we got to notice that in each case, the preacher is not given a definition of faith, but a description of what faith does. And so, what is the definition of faith? The preacher answers that question in one of the classic verses of the Bible because he goes over into Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6, and he says, But without faith, other words, in Christ and the cross, anytime faith is mentioned, always and without exception, its root meaning is that its object is Christ and the cross. Other words, it's faithful. God will uh, not accept because it's impossible to please him uh, because faith in anything other than Christ and the cross displeases him. It goes on, it says, not only but without faith, it is impossible to please him, but for he who comes to God must believe that he is. It places faith as the foundation and the principle of the manner in which God deals with the human race. He goes on, he says, that he, God, is a rewarder of them who diligently seek him. That's on the premises of Christ, of him crucified. I'm glad that we see in verses 1, 2, and 3 the description of faith. And verse 6 is the definition of faith. I thank God that here the preacher tells us that without faith it's impossible to please God. Because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. J.P. Phillips translates the verse like this. 
Faith means to believe first that God exists and secondly that it is worth a man's while to try to find God. You know, faith is a choice. A choice to bet our lives on God even though we don't see him with our physical eyes. Even though we do not hear him with our physical ears. Even though we cannot reach out and touch him with our hands. We believe that he exists. And we believe that life at its best can be experienced only as we connect our lives with him. Faith means to acknowledge that God exists and to realize that it is worth our while to live for him. And so, but what does this faith look like in human life? The preacher in Hebrews answers that question in the remainder of this remarkable chapter that we call the graves that speak because we see the demonstrations of faith. And I'm glad that it is through this that we see the voices who they were. We see the voices of who they were in verses 4, 5, 7, 8 through 11, 12, 17 through 18, 20, 21, 22, 23, 24, 27, 28, 31, and 32. We see 16 people of faith that are named and many others that are referred to as well. Abel is mentioned in 4. Enoch in 5, Noah in 7, Abraham in verses 8, 9, 12, 17, and 18, Sarah in verse 11, Isaac in verse 20, Jacob in verse 21, Joseph in verse 22, Moses' parents in verse 23, Moses in verse 24, 27, and 28. The people of Israel are mentioned in verse 29 and 30. Rahab is mentioned in verse 31, Gideon in verse 32, Barak in verse 32, Samson in verse 32, Japheth. In verse 32, David in verse 32, Samuel in verse 32, all of the prophets in verse 32. We see the graves that speak because the voices of who they were are speaking out through these 16 people of faith that are named and many others that we look right here. And so I thank God, each and every one of us, when we begin to look and realize how powerful it is. When a believer looks at the origin of the world, he sees God. When an unbeliever looks at the origin of the world, he sees nothing, absolutely nothing, nothing, absolutely. And so when a believer looks at the origin of the world, he sees God's word and God willed and spoke. But when you see an unbeliever that looks at the origin of the world, they see absolutely nothing. When a believer looks at the origin of the world, he sees matter appeared and the worlds were created by God's word. But when an unbeliever looks at the origin of the world, he sees matter appeared, some gas or force formed out of absolutely nothing. You look and you begin to realize that from all of this, that uh, when a believer uh, looks at the things uh, of God, they, the things seen were made by God. But when an unbeliever looks at the things of the world, the things seen were made by just appeared out of absolutely nothing. You see, the point is this. We were not here when God created a world, but we believe that a supreme being, God himself, created the world. The world says that a designer made the world, but the Bible, the word of God, says that God made the world. Jesus Christ says, uh, says that God made the world. The Holy Spirit bears witness to the believer's heart that the claims and the promises of the word of God are true. The Holy Spirit bears witness to the believer's heart that 
He claims the promises of the word of God are true. And therefore, the basic understanding of the believer is that God exists and that he has created the world. God is the person who is behind life and the world of life. God gave breath to man in his word. He made the things that are seen. This is the never-ending story that we see that what God has done with every one of us, praise God, because he's given us something that's magnificent. Every one of us, when we begin to look and realize of all the things that God has done, you know, when you uh, look and realize that you consider that Jesus was the creator of the universe. His birth as a baby becomes even more amazing. The creator of creation humbled himself and became a creature in creation. God became dependent upon a human mother, Jesus, who was the agent of creation, uh, stepped out of eternity, laid aside his glory, and entered this world as a human baby. That is the power behind uh, the never-ending story, amen. As we look at the voices that speak to us from the graves, amen. I'm glad that is why uh, that uh, of all the things that we look at today, not only did he make this universe, but he is the power that holds it all together, praise God. Every one of us, as uh, Colossians chapter 1, verses 16 and 7 says, For by him were all things created that are in heaven and that are in earth, visible and invisible, whether they be thrones or dominions or principalities or powers. All things were created by him and for him, and he is before all things, and by him all things consist. I'm glad that is what the word consist means. One man put it uh, uh, that it's the glue of the galaxies. He made it. And he holds it all together. Hallelujah. Think of it this way. Man can't really make anything that runs as it should. I tell you, but take a look at our great planet and realize that it does not travel in a true circle. It travels in three directions at the same time. It revolves on its axis. It travels around the sun and its path. It's deflected by other planets. Still, it does not lose more than one uh, one hundredth of a second every 100 years that we can only say that Jesus is in control. And then we look at the building block of this universe, which is an atom, an entity so small that each atom is less than 150 millionths of an inch in diameter. And if you could take the, the, the uh, molecules of a single drop of water, convert them into grains of sand, there would be enough sand to build a concrete highway half a mile wide and wood one foot thick all the way from New York to San Francisco. And there's 120 drops of water in a single teaspoon. Combine that with the fact that one cell from your body contains 200 billion molecules of atoms. And whether you look at the universe with a telescope and see how big it is. Or you look at this universe with a microscope and see how small it is. When you see the order, the symmetry, the harmony, the beauty of all that is, only a fool would fall to conclude that God did it and that God is in control. Only a fool would fail to conclude that God did it and that God is in control. I tell you, that means God is in control of everything that happens across this country. He's the one of the never-ending story that we're talking about. It may look like the world is spinning out of control, but it isn't. It is the hand of who made it that's running it. And all things are working toward the purpose for which he designed them. The one who made it all, controls it all, was born into this world 2,000 years ago as a helpless infant. He lived here in poverty 
and rejection, not only to die a horrible death uh, on a cross. He did all of this because he loved you and I. Boy, I thank God. But God commended his love toward us, and while we were at sinners, Christ died for us. I'm glad. That's the power of the never-ending story. I thank God. It is a fat man in a, in, uh, uh, that's out there today or a skinny man that's out there trying to make it. Or it is a man that is trying to work hard as they can to do the best to supply the needs and necessities. Whatever shape, whatever form, man or woman, that we're out there working, trying to do the very best that we can each day in and day out. We come to thou faith leads to the right worship, amen. And it tells us what we need to be doing every single day of our lives, amen. Faith leads to the right walk as well, that it tells us about how that Enoch walked with God and then he was no more because God took him away. A little girl was asked to explain the verse and she said, one day Enoch was out walking with God and Enoch, you know, you're uh, closer to my house than you are to yours. And, and so, so why don't you just come on home with me? And he did. Boy, I thank God that little girl had a good story because she's so right. What made Enoch walk in this way? The preacher says that it was his faith. And as a result of his faith, he was commended as one who pleases God. Because what did I say the definition was as we look at the graves that speak on this Memorial Day? It was Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6, that gives the definition that but without faith, it is impossible to please him. For he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of them who diligently seek him. I'm glad that out of all of these 16 people of faith, their voices spoke out of who they were. I'm glad. But then we see the voices of what they did. Because in the, in the half of every one of the verses that I quoted a while ago of those 16, I'm glad that each one of them, we see that Abel gave the Lord an acceptable offering in uh, verse 4b. Enoch left the earth without dying in 5b. Noah survived the great flood in 7b. I'm glad that Abraham inherited a land in 8b. Sarah bore a son through a barren wound and began a nation in 11b. Abraham believed that God could raise the dead in verse 19. Isaac and Jacob both predicted the future in verse 20 and 21. Joseph anticipated the exodus long before it happened in verse 22. Moses' parents defied the king of Egypt in verse 23. Moses forsook the pleasures of sin in verse 25 of Hebrews chapter 11. Moses left the land of Egypt and was afraid of the king in verse 27. The people of Israel kept the Passover in verse 28. And the people of Israel crossed the Red Sea in verse 29. The people of Israel shouted down a city in verse 30. Rahab protected some Hebrew spies in verse 31. The prophets and the judges subdued kingdoms and shut the mouths of lions, quenched the flames, escaped the sword, exchanged the weakness for strength, put enemies' armies to flight, and a few even raised the dead in verses 33 down to verse 35. Amen. Yes, we see the graves that speak this Memorial Day from this great chapter of faith of all the 16 people of faith that are named and that are referred to here as well. We see the voices who they were. We see the voices of what they did. But also, we begin to see the voices of what they endured, amen. Because in verse 35, down to verse 38, we see the terrible torture that was there in verse 35. We see the ridicule in verse 36, the cruel flogging of verse 36, the imprisonment in verse 36, the stoning in verse 37, 
being sawn in two by verse 37, death by the sword in verse 37, and extreme poverty in verses 37 and 38. Yes, the voices are crying out from the graves. The graves are speaking on this Memorial Day of all those graves that were there, of all the 16 of the faith of the patriarchs, of all the things that they endured. Not only all of these things that we look at and we begin to see of all the voices of who they were, the voices of what they did. But I thank God, and we see the voices of what they endured, but we also see the voice of why they endured it. Because in verse 10, 13, and 15, and 16, they saw the invisible city of God. That's why they endured it. In verse 26, they believed that suffering for the sake of Christ was better than having all the riches of this world in verse 26. And they looked forward to their own resurrection in verse 35. And so all of these voices that we see, the graves that are speaking this Memorial Day, the voices of who they were, the voices of what they did, the voices of what they endured, the voices of why they endured it, amen. Lastly, we see the voice of what they received of why they did what they did. Because in verse 16, it talked about in the past that it told, it said, listen, but now, in other words, since the vision, they desire a better country that is a heavenly, where God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared for them a city. Hallelujah. Hey, man, we see uh, the graves that are speaking and what they received in the past the earthly and the temporary approval of God. But in the future, in verse 40, we see the heavenly and the eternal approval of God himself that he tells us as we go all the way to verse 40 and begin to realize that he says, God, having provided some better thing for us, it presents what which God had originally promised to Abraham in Genesis chapter 22, verse 14, that they, the Old Testament saints, without us, that's the church, should not be made perfect. This lays the stress on Christ who made it all possible for both the Old Testament and the New Testament saints on the cross of Calvary, praise God. Faith that leads us to the right work. Noah's story that is told in verses 6, 7, 8, and 9 that Noah did everything just as God commanded him, amen. Boy, I thank God. Faith that leads to the right willingness of verses 8, 9, 10, 11, and 12, where Abraham and Sarah's stories are told beginning in Genesis chapter 12, verse 1. God told Abraham to leave his country and his people and to go to a new land that God would show him. I thank God that the writer of Hebrews explains by faith Abraham, when called to go to the place that he would later receive as his inheritance, he obeyed. He went even though he did not know where he, he was going. Amen. I'm reminded of the old... Uh, uh, Christopher Columbus, that when he discovered America, that says when he left, he didn't know where he was going. But when he got there, he didn't know where he was. And when he came back home, he didn't know where he had been. But nevertheless, Columbus discovered America. <laughs> Faith causes a person to walk with God into the unknown. Faith causes us to say to God, I'm go, I'll go where you want me to go. Praise his holy name. Amen. And I'm glad the preacher mentioned Sarah in her story in verse 11. Uh, that's told, uh, of course, side by side with Abraham. But the greatest moment in her life was when she, past childbearing age, nevertheless became pregnant. And as the story is told, the biblical writers present the idea that Sarah's willingness to be 
of service to God put her in the position where God could use her in a miraculous way. Praise God. The voices and the graves that are speaking out. She was willing. She was available to God's purpose. And the result was Isaac. And that's what faith does. Faith leads us to say, I'll make myself available to God. I'm speaking with a voice from the grave, the graves that are speaking on this Memorial Day. Faith that leads us to say that I'll make myself available to God and see what God can do through me. It leads to the right willingness. Boy, I tell you, many of, of soldiers over the battles of years that have done the right thing, that they've made themselves available. They've made themselves available to God, and through them, God used that blood that was for our freedom. But the greatest freedom that we ever received was 2,000 years ago on the cross of Calvary. Praise God when he was hung high and stretched wide in a place called uh, Golgotha upon the highest hill. But faith leads us to the right waiting. Because of all the examples, together both the unnamed saints and those specifically named out of this halls of faith, of the 16 and all the many that are not named. And because I believe there's a common thread that ties them all together. Hallelujah. The thread uh, that ties all of the experiences of faith together is that their faith was exhibited in difficult times as we observe our Memorial Day soldiers and their lives. And it was not immediately rewarded, but yet they persisted in their faith, even though the reward had not yet come. It was true of Abraham in verse 17, who never saw the fulfillment of God's promise, yet he still had faith. It was true of Joseph in verse 22, hallelujah, uh, that uh, tells us, amen, by faith Joseph, when he died, made mention of the departing of the children of Israel and gave commandment concerning his bones, amen. Boy, I thank God uh, who died in Egypt, and yet he was still persistent in his faith. It was true of Moses in verse 23. By faith, Moses, when he was born, was hid three months of his parents because they saw that he was a proper child and they were not afraid of the king's commandment. Amen. Boy, I thank God uh, all of these ones of Abraham, of Joseph, of Moses. Amen. Uh, I think it was true of those saints in verses 36, 37, and 38 who bore untold misery as a result of their faith, praise God, that we see that he tells us, and others had trial of cruel mockings and scourgings, yet moreover of bonds and imprisonment. They were stoned, they were sawed asunder, were tempted, were slain with a sword. They wandered about in the sheepskins and goatskins, being destitute, afflicted, tormented. In verse 28, 38, of whom the world was not worthy. They wandered in deserts and in mountains and in dens and caves of the earth. Man, they did not receive the things promised. The preacher explains in verse 13, and then he repeats it in verse 39. Amen. Listen, go back with me to Hebrews chapter 11, verse 13, that he says, These all died in faith, that is, believing Christ would come and pay the price in order that humanity might be redeemed. Not having received the promises, Christ did not come in their lifetime, but having seen them afar off, they continued to believe, despite the fact that the promises were far off and were persuaded of them. In other words, they traded that which they could see for that which they could not see and embraced them. They claimed these promises as their own even though they were far off and confessed that they were strangers and pilgrims on earth. I thank God that was Hebrews eleven thirteen. But flip all the way over 
to verse 39 of Hebrews chapter 11 that says, And these all, other words, the Old Testament saints, having obtained a good report through faith, it refers to being judged according by the Holy Spirit. It says they received not the promise. The Messiah didn't come during their time, but they had faith that he ultimately would come, and so he did. The, they only saw them and welcomed them from a distance. As the ancient Chinese proverb goes like this, never doubt in the dark what God has shown you in the light, unquote. That's the good description of faith of those individuals that are discussed all the way from verses 13 down to verse 40. God had revealed himself to them in the light of that experience that they held on to their faith, never doubting in the dark what God had sown to them in the light. The graves that speak this Memorial Day. Faith is not a leap into the dark. We must always remember that faith is a response to something. It's not a decision out of the blue. It's not a result of our speculation. It's not just a feeling. It's a response. A response to what? Faith is a response to what God has done in the incarnation, crucifixion, resurrection of Jesus Christ. And in that particular man, at that particular time, in our particular history, God gave a unique revelation of himself and his plan. Faith is a response to that special revelation of God. And so it's not just a leap into the dark. Faith is not just words. Faith is more than a decision. Faith is followed by actions appropriate to that action and the New Testament that gives the perimeters of the expression of that faith. Faith, as Paul declared, must precede works. James affirmed that works must follow faith, and they were not contradicting each other. They were providing the full view of faith. Faith is not just words. Faith is a decision that transforms our lives and everything in them because faith is not just a modern-day phenomena. The graves that are speaking this Memorial Day message, this remarkable narrative about faith that does for me and all of us is to remind us this Memorial Day that as a person of faith, Hallelujah. Tonight, I stand in the progression of literally millions of men and women who down through the centuries have responded to God's revelation in Christ with a life of faith. The great cloud of witnesses that he talks about over in Hebrews chapter 12. And we need to be thankful for these men and women of faith who have preceded us. The graves that have spoke this Memorial Day. The voices that have spoken to us, the voices that told us a lot of things of who they were, of the 16 people that are named and the many referred to, the voices of what they did, what they endured, the voices of why they endured it, and the voices of why they received what they received. I thank God, each and every one of us, we begin to realize of who they were, what they did, what they endured, why they endured it, and what they received by these voices. Father, I want to thank you for giving us the strength to be able to do the work of the Lord, Father. Touch each and every one of us, Lord, as we go forward, that, Lord, that we would be able, Father, to 
uh, uh, take the word of God and use it for your honor and glory. Help us, Lord, to be more like you in everything that we do. Father, I pray that, God, that you'll just take us now. Give us everything that we need to go forward. And, Lord, as we go our separate ways, Lord, I thank God for these voices that cried out, that spoke to us this Memorial Day. God, that you will give us the strength that we need, each and every one of us as we go through life. Thank you, Father. And now, Lord, I pray, God, that as you give us that that we need, I pray, God, that we will go forward and use the glory and honor of Jesus Christ in everything that we do. Give us that that we need right now. In Jesus' marvelous, mighty name, amen.